0: Hello and welcome to the Universal Century Gundam Podcast. I am your host, Reese. Episode 1, Gundam Rising. It's been a long time since I've watched Gundam Rising. Um, in my current state, I'm currently re-watching Double Zeta. And it was very nostalgic to return to the original Gundam series. There have been remakes through the movies series, um, but I still prefer the original Nineteen Seventy Nine The theme song is always very jovial and upbeat for a series that will cover about war and uh, destruction of half the human population, but I've always enjoyed the song and many times I hear myself humming to it at random points during the day. The first subject I'd like to pick up on is the discussion of the two factions introduced in Gundam Rising. These will be very important for the future of the Universal Century timeline. The first faction we'll have is the Principality of Xeon. Xeon was formed on the basis of a philosophy that now all humans, are, all humans should now move into space rather than stay on Earth, and the belief that new types are the future of humanity. The second faction is the Earth Federation, a federalized government system concerning the colonies and their relationship to Earth. Unlike modern federal systems in which there is emphasis on balance of power between a centralised government and decentralised rights, it seems that the Earth Federation has a more stronger hold on the colonies than they would prefer. The colonies themselves are seen as more of an imperial or colony, hence their name, colonies, that was more prevalent in European empires in the 19th century. This whole conflict between colonies and central government will become one of the most important turning points in the Universal Century timeline. If we take a little step to the future, this first series, Mobile Suit Gundam, primarily the protagonists, Amaro, and the rest of the White Base crew, they are fighting for the government forces. They are the heroes of the the tale of a central government overcoming a rebellious faction. This is very similar to future war well, sorry, past war analogies in the actual real life situation that humanity faces today. The historical analogies of Gundam are very hidden and yet very apparent at the same time. An example would be I always prefer is the Germany analogy in World War One. Here we have a small group, the Principality of Xeon, which will look for its place in the future roles of the universe. There have been many analogies between Germany and Zion, um, but mostly there have been Nazi allegories, even up to Gehr and accepting and finding it complimentary to be regarded as a carbon copy of Hitler. But the World War I analogy, I find, is the conflict of being isolated, small, but powerful and wanting a bigger role in the universe. Germany in itself was only a country from 1871 when it began after the rise of Prussia and the victory in the Franco-Prussian War. Zion is a small nation and after it started to break away from the Earth Federation government, started to militarise, industrialise. Its focus on High quality of troops, advanced military tactics, new forms of warfare are all allegorious to the rise of Germany before World War I. It was the swiftness of the, Prussian, of the Franco-Prussian War that allowed um, Prussia to overwhelm France and shock the rest of Europe. Now, even though their weaponry was slightly outdated, such as the needle gun, um, their use of the railway system advanced military communication the general staff concept of military command allowed them to defeat a more powerful foe the allegories for germany in world war ii are mostly gear zabi's speech at the death of garba zabi um, the whole rise that it's now total war war profiteering with mcuve in the odessa mines The whole overthrow of a legitimately elected government in the Republic of Xeon to now the Principality of Xeon. These are all allegories of a totalitarian dictatorship taking over a um, country. Another allegory that's not popularly seen is a civil war allegory. If you take the United States Civil War, for example, it was the belief that a federal government doesn't have the right to impose certain beliefs on other states if they don't agree. Um, For many, this was slavery. um, But there was lots of different concepts into the US Civil War. But if we focus on that point, the concept of big government versus smaller rights, we see that this could be an allegory to the Xeon conflict. Now, History is always written by the victors, and thus the federal forces were always given a more popular light in the U.S. Civil War. That it was slavery was wrong, for instance. That um, government should always be followed, and that insurrection and they were seen as, re- and the South was seen as rebels. Whereas the same could be said about the, the Principality of Zion. That this is a small state government that didn't want to be listened to the corrupt, as it is seen, central government, a later view that will become apparent with the concept of people's souls being weighed down by Earth's gravity if they lead from Earth, whereas the colonies stay in the stars. Now onto the mobile suits. We see two new mobile suits from Mobile Suit Gundam, this first episode, Gundam Rising. The first is the Zaku. Now, I've recently been watching MS Igloo, which I shan't mention too heavily here. Don't want to spoil it for anyone. But this showed the complete culture shock of using mobile suits in warfare. It was as apparent as the tank being used in the First World War. Sitting there in trenches for three years, shooting at people, and suddenly seeing these monstrous machines that are bulletproof and can just roll over a trench and kill all your men would have been demoralizing. And I can't even imagine the fear that would go through soldiers' minds as they saw these suits crawling over the bodies of their comrades. The Zaku 2 has always been a very important mobile suit, because future mobile suits will take a design lineage from the Zaku, as well as the Gundam. Zaku's will also be seen as high in mobile suit Gundam Zeta. The Zaku and the Gundam discussion for me, I always see it as East and Western weapons during the Cold War. Modern Western weapons are designed to be small caliber, advanced, lightweight, whereas warsaw packed weapons were seen to be hard use. Hardworking and would never break. I mean if you take an M16 now and drag it through a ton of sand and try to shoot it there's a higher chance it jam or be broken than if you dragged an AK-47 through to the sand. This has always been my view of Zaku's and the Gundam. The Gundam was designed to be this slick brand-new weapon after all these years of being crushed the Earth Federation has finally had a secret project to build mobile suits that'll be far more advanced and this is cultivated in the Gundam, the RX-78-2 Gundam. This mobile suit is such a revolution in design. If you compare it to zaku it has the so-called hero aspect to it, its colour scheme, its weaponry, um, it looks more agile than Azaku. The Gundam will be a very important part of the future design lineage, even more part than its... ...other compatriots, the gun tank and the gun cannon. Now, for the next point, I really admire the use of children in literature. Children always give the audience an innocent view of the world. Now, when Bright Noah takes command of the white base... ...we've got to understand that the crew under his command are barely older than 17... AMRO is 15. These are children. Now, the official explanation is that, due to half the human population being lost in this war so far, that younger and younger recruits are needed to fill up the space. In this case, it was just the refugees that managed to make it to white base before Side 7 was attacked. I see it as an allegory to World War I yet again, that there is a certain level of patriotism. You don't want to lose a war. No one wants to lose a war. We've seen it in conflicts all across the globe. We have tr- stories of people from 14 onwards secretly joining the navies or armies in World War I in order to do their bit for the front. And I've always seen this as, not saddening, but it gives us a new perspective. Um, I recently watched the Gundam series in which a child thought the war was cool and at the end of the series, he understood the heartbreak that war really gave, the reality of war, which many children saw or young adults saw in World War One, rather than this buzz, "It's all going to be over by Christmas," they saw the harsh realities and the dehumanising effect of warfare. The first impressions of the characters, um, Frau Bo, from my first impression from this episode, will be seen as a very motherly figure. She has the most maturity from waking up Amro to make sure he gets to the shelter, to trying to care after the civilians and in the end the children on the white base. She seems as a very mature motherly figure that I think will be very important from later episodes. Amro, now, for us who know the future of Amro Ray from now up until Shah's counterattack, it's hard to remember that he started off as this small child, very snivelly. It reminds me of Camille, when Camille first came aboard the um, Argama, and when Judo will eventually first come aboard the Argama as well. These stories are seen as a coming-of-age story, in which children eventually learn to mature as adults through warfare. Amro at the moment seems as the happy-go-lucky guy who's happy to save the day, but, as we'll see in later episodes, he won't be able to take the stress for much longer. Hayato, seen as the casual best friend, the person who'd always come and for a drink at midnight with you, if needed to be, but someone who's not too sure of himself, will always want to be part of a friendship group. Temre is the classic overworked father who is more is so mature that he cuts off the rest of his family. He must get this work done. He understands the necessity of f- finishing the V project in order for the Earth Federation to have any chance against Zeon. Bright Noah is one of my favourite characters, he's the uh, epitimate military commander. Stern, strict, but he always gets the job done. He's like a more friendly version of Patton in my view. In my first impressions of him, he understands the responsibility that is now put on his shoulders. As an officer, he must realise that he's now in command of the white base effectively. A young man himself still, he still understands the military necessity of maintaining morale, discipline and sorting out the war. Captain Noah will be seen as one of the most effective field commanders in the Universal Century's history. And getting to see him in this first episode shows the seeds to the beginnings of such a great man. Shah Aznabal is also one of my favourite characters. He's very complex. It takes quite a lot for a man to start... In this first series, as the lead pilot in Zion, to the leader of the Aug to the leader of the neo Zeon movement, as he's always described himself, he has always been his own man. No one tells him what to do; he does what he needs to do. Seeing him here, he seems as the young baron Baron von Richthofen from World War One, the person who sees himself as a knight of this new form of warfare. There's a certain level of honour, but also a certain level of duty that he must win this war. Hence his attack on slide 7, which is mostly filled with civilians. But also this higher challenge to the leader of the new Gundam mobile suit. This confrontation between Amro and Shah will be one of the most defining confrontations of this timeline. Once view that I'm going to leave on now is that this series will have a high amount of deaths, and this is established in the first episode. Frau Bo losing such key members of her family, people dying in the shelters, the officers dying on White Base, the near death of Amro's father. This is a real warfare. This is not, oh, everything's going to be fine, the heroes won't die. People will die. And that is one of the most effective themes in the Gundam series especially of the Universal Timeline is that it's very realistic these people might not come back they are soldiers young soldiers at that and I believe that the audience feels that from such great writing that these people are heroes yes but they are still children children who have accepted the responsibility that they could die tomorrow though one last point is I was watching Shah's Counterattack last month, and one interesting point was raised when Quest and Captain Noah's son, Hathaway Noah, were discussing Amro Ray. Hathaway stated that Amro Ray had a natural affinity for the Gundam suit. As soon as he sat into it, he knew how to operate it. Now watching this first episode again I noticed that might have been retconned as he had to read some parts of the manual to actually understand how to make it work and was nearly killed and was quite lucky that he didn't get killed and survived this battle. Though in the future I'll accept that Amuro became a naturally gifted pilot there is nothing to suggest that he was some sort of natural superman as he's always stated himself later on that being a new type doesn't make you superhuman it just makes you more sensitive to things. Well, that's episode one of the Universal Century Gundam podcast, and I hope you enjoy. And I wish to apologize once more that this episode took so long to be released, but there have been slight complications my co-host as you might notice again isn't with me due to busyness in her career i have not been very well myself i've been suffering from illness due to the heat wave in the united kingdom that we're suffering from now but i hope to try and get as many podcast episodes out as i can this and next month Thank you for listening and don't forget we want your questions please send them to the universe to sorry universal century gundam podcast at gmail.com any questions at all and we shall answer them thank you very much and i hope to see you again for episode 2